Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Portes Nation. I'm Alex Parra. Today, the star at the beginning of a new soccer segment. And maybe all of you can help us name this segment. Not much about Alex Parra, but certainly with an expert. You can see him on screen. We welcome in Mr. Victor Araiza. First of all, Victor, good day. How are you? Good day, Alex. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, always glad to be on uh, people around town speaking the beautiful game, like you said. Um, hoping to make this here a recurring theme, uh, speaking about uh, our great sport and, and, and what better than, than the local aspect of it as well. And look, we, 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 one of the foundations of what we want to do with this segment is speak from a, an objective point of view and also the good, the bad and the ugly. I think that makes us better. Victor, as a soccer community, you as as a as a sports journalist, you've been often the one in the uh, in the press room asking the questions many fans want to hear and many media don't even want to think about. So we want to approach it from that way, not to be critical for the sake of criticism, not to be scandalous for the sake of of being scandalous, but really, what do you fans want to know about the teams? Want to know? Uh, about what's going on in certain leagues. So, so Victor, maybe let's start with that. Your, your, your background as a sports journalist, really, there are few that are consistently covering our sport here in Houston. And I can't believe in a city so big, so diverse, that really there's not a lot of soccer coverage at all levels, the pro level, the college level, the youth level. Uh, I think there's a void there. The question is, why do you think that's happened? I think a big part of it is uh, investment. I, I think that's what it comes down to. It. I don't know, there's not a lot of jobs that uh, that pay uh, covering soccer, and not just here locally, just around the United States. I think that's been kind of one of the, you know, as we see now this uh, this boom in, in MLS, another one, right, with Messi arriving, and, and I'm sure we'll we'll touch on that. But you know, is it kind of where MLS is a little bit ahead of itself, right here with a major star again, just like it was with Beckham? Um, Maybe when Pele also joined the NASL back back sure. in those days, right? Where maybe the, the the coverage of the game isn't isn't up to that speed yet because it it isn't here in the United States. Uh, like you mentioned, it's not it's not covered uh, as some of the other sports, and I think a lot of it has to do with the resources that the local media outlets uh, put to it, and and then obviously the knowledge also of the people that are in some of these sports departments. I mean, that's not to knock them. I think that's just you know. Uh, a truth, right? I mean, here in, in the United States, we grow with uh, some of the major sports and, and soccer. To some um, isn't that, and I think that's that's part of it. We need more soccer people in, in some of these positions. Victor, I'll give you an example. When when the Houston Texans lose a game, which has happened often these days, uh, the the criticism, the coverage is huge. When Ben Olsen and company focusing on the Houston Dynamo lose a match, first of all, if there's consistent coverage, I'm shocked, and second. Rarely are there really tough questions about why are you losing, about why are you not doing well. It, it seems to me, and, and we've talked a little bit about this off the air, a franchise like the Houston Dynamo, being objective, by the way, they can win or lose, and, and there's really no pressure uh, from, from, from the media. Uh, there are a few fans that care and really want the team su to succeed this season, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, it appears that Ben Olsen's turning the team around, uh, but, 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 but general manager Pat Olmsted, I, I don't sense that the media are all over him. He's doing great segments in the morning, promoting soccer with, with Fox 26, and, and, but, but with all due respect, it's all light. It, it really isn't, hey, 
Why aren't you winning? Isn't that the purpose of you being there? Uh, and, and I think because of that lack of pressure from the media, in this case, I'm talking about uh, uh, Victor, um, sometimes uh, uh, soccer franchises get a free pass relative to other sports. Yeah, I mean, I, they, you said it. It's just a lack of coverage, of lack of, of interest. Um, and, and yeah, when, when it is there, like you mentioned, it sort of sticks out like a sore thumb where if it was the Astros, the Texans, the Rockets, I mean, it's business as usual. It's every day. Um, fans are naturally in, in, in big numbers making these questions. You know, why is, uh, you know, X player not, not participating? Why is he having minutes? Hey, so-and-so is injured. What's his status? Um, you know, everybody wants to play the head coach, the general manager. And, and that's, you know, that's just uh, understood. And, and it's not uh, anything, you know, out of the ordinary with some of these other teams in, in, in town. Or, and I would say, again, I think across the, the American sports landscape, it is that way. Where with soccer, it, um, because there's so few or, or whenever it, it does happen, right, it, it you know, it, from all levels, it just seems like, uh, hey, um, if you're criticizing, maybe it's because you, you don't want the sport to succeed or, or when it's all the contrary, right? I think these deeper dives into, into the sport is what's going to make it advance, uh, I believe. And, and, but I think, like you said, little by little, we're, we're starting to see something. But, but I think for a long time, those of us who love the game just want to see it at a hyper speed if we can get it, get it up to that point. In the last couple of weeks, there's been a new revelation for MLS. I think we all know who we're talking about. Lionel Leo Messi has arrived. Not only is he helping his Miami team be consistent now on the field, by the way, finally picking up an MLS uh, victory, at least regular season, the success of his team has been immediate. Um, let, 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 let's, let's pull back a little bit. Uh, even though they may, they, the media may be mispronouncing his name, at least they're talking about Messi. At least they're talking yeah. uh, uh, about soccer and the MLS. That's exactly, I think, what Don Garber wanted. That's exactly even what the Apple TV Plus people wanted, right? They wanted uh, those eyeballs. It couldn't have come at a better time for, for Apple, number one, but also for the league in general. There's nothing but positive. I, I think so. Um, and you know what? The fact that it's a debate, the fact that it's, it's you know, there's different takes, um, again, just shows you what a superstar of this caliber brings. And obviously we're talking about, you know, what many consider uh, the best in the sport, maybe the best ever. Um, I know that, but even, even that's a debate. But the fact is, it spurs conversation, it spurs interest, uh, you know, obviously the economic impact across the league, um, you know, arenas like the, the Red Bulls, right, uh, you know, that have poor attendances. Um, you know, why can't we get fans out here? What, what's going on? And, and Messi shows up and boom, right? I mean, it's a full house. Um, I, I, that's why I think, yeah, it is positive. It, it is maybe um, sooner than expected because I think uh, this all happened so quick over the summer. We were all wondering, well, is Messi going to go back to Barcelona? Is he going to stay with, with, with Paris and try to win them a Champions League? And it's sort of like, nope. Straight into MLS, uh, straight into into all the action, uh, getting some wins, and obviously now uh, it sets up this great storyline because Miami was last in the in the overall standings. Um, they may very well make the playoffs here, make a run, and, and at, the, at this rate they're going, they may win it all. And you know what? Again, that's going to bring up great conversation because if they go from worst to, to champions. Hey, why why did they? Where's the state of the league? You know, is it just as easy as adding these superstars? I mean, I think it I think it's great.
It, it's definitely uh, sparked conversation. It, it, let's go back a little bit. His impact in Leagues Cup, the first trophy that 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 Miami has has won. Um, by the way, uh, no Mexican team in the final. Uh, that speaks in and of itself yeah. of where the MLS is relative to other leagues. You, you know, you were alluding to the quality of the league. I think in some way, uh, with with a superstar, uh, uh, the goat potentially showing up here in the MLS. But the League's Cup made it exciting. It brought attention to that tournament. I, I think for many, it was a great first step. And actually, think about this, Victor: the intimacy of of why. Watching Messi play in, in, in soccer-specific stadiums in the United States. You mentioned Red Bull Arena. Uh, he played up in, in up in Frisco, where there's a limited amount of seats. But to have that experience, I, I think, is unique. And that's why also the uh, the value of those tickets is soaring. No, absolutely. And, and look, I think some of these markets will defend themselves. Nashville, I'll give it to them, right? They've had some good attendances. I think it's been uh, slowing down. But, uh, you know... They've consistently shown up, and they got a bigger stadium than most, so I'll, I'll let them slide. Uh, like you said, Frisco, uh, okay, they've done a little bit better of a marketing job, and they've been getting people out there, the drone shows, whatever. But now this was a big payday. This was a lot of interest. Fans were there with, with, with several types of jerseys, right? Barcelona, PSG, Argentina, Miami even, the opposing team. Um, and you're right, it's just sparking interest. It's going to continue to spark interest across the league. Uh, some of these... Um, Teams that have big stadiums, right? NFL stadiums. Those are going to fill up here in the coming weeks. Um, and it just shows you the impact. That, that That's why I think, I mean, it, it is uh, the rising tide. If there ever was a time to use this uh, description, right? The rising tide that lifts all boats here in MLS. Um, I think the Leagues Cup was great, right? A, a, a month, obviously, for, for Apple. You know, I think they're part uh, here involved with the messy uh, salary uh, structure. Um, but it's again, it's great. It's something that that's going to continue to build, especially now that because they won the Leagues Cup, they're going to be in the Concacaf Champions Cup. So there, we're going to have the real debate, uh, or at least at a different level, right? If MLS versus Liga MX, uh, potentially a ticket for the FIFA Club World Cup. I mean, all this stuff. It's, uh, it's great for the region. It's great for the sport in the United States, and uh, and it's great for the league. And and and, and let me give you a, a slightly different take that uh, that I've also heard. Well. You know, the, the superstars of the world come here at their later stage of their career. Uh, they, they make it a, a splash on the radar initially. And then what happens to the league? Uh, let, let, let's cite a couple of, uh, of examples. David Beckham, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, Chicharito Hernandez, and now uh, uh, Lionel Messi. And that's just a few. And, and my point is... The, the impact is there. Messi could have a, a, a Cinderella story this season if, 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 like you mentioned, Victor, the team goes and picks up the, the MLS Cup. That would be fantastic. Let's say they do well in U.S. Open Cup. But what happens in two or three years when we know reaching, getting close to 40, Messi won't be the Messi of, of, of old? It, does that in any way affect the league to say, remember those days and now we're back to whatever this was? Is that a fair criticism that, that the impact is short-termed, but is that enough then to continue helping the league grow and improve? I think so because these, uh, these are players at a, at a high level, right? And, and again, it just, first of all, just the fact that they're on the field just brings the best out of competition. Yeah. Um, you're seeing some of these other opposing MLS teams. You see them with a different motivation. You see them with a different spark, right? Uh, you know, these games that 
um, have ended in ties, but maybe should have been wins for, or you know, the pressure, right, that arrives at the end of some of these games, uh, like it was in Dallas, that 4-4 draw in the League's Cup, uh, the Nashville game, right? Um, they came back, but they couldn't make the complete comeback. Uh, Philadelphia were supposed to be one of the better uh, teams across the league. I mean, I think you, you see all these conditions that um, I would say it's almost like bringing, you know, because we always talk about, well, you know, the players got to go to, to Europe to play against the best. But when you're bringing the best to the league, I mean, it just it lifts that level. It's like bringing that, that European level to MLS. Um, that's why I think it's positive. You know, people say, ah, they're retired. Who cares? The fact is they're here, that they're playing here. We get to see them here in this environment. Uh, obviously, lifestyle and, um, you know, something different for these players as well. Um, but I think, again, if, if MLS is truly talking about wanting to be one of the best leagues, I mean, why wouldn't you bring the elite players? And, again, uh, my biggest thing is it. I'm, it's great because there's a lot of teams that have just – you know, cruise by on maybe some of the lower salary limits on just having, you know, fulfilling certain requirements and aren't necessarily bringing superstars to their markets. Not that everybody has to, right? But I think it, it again, um, it, it does lift the competition up and, and it, it does make it an evolution of the league. And if other teams uh, are, are staying behind, I say, hey, keep up, right? I mean, you guys, there's, there's no rules against other teams spending and, and there certainly isn't any rules against other teams, uh, you know, it's as far as can be, right, with the salary cap. Well, well, let's let's explore that a little bit, and 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 we can kind of bring in the Houston Dynamo into this. One of the criticisms until last season was, why don't we have a superstar here? I, I appreciate the caliber of players that have come in, but finally, Hector Herrera came in last season, and and we've seen the impact he's made at times, or maybe hasn't made, certainly not to the level of a, of a Lionel Messi. Where I'm going with this, Victor, is the following. We know that the MLS is a single-owned uh, uh, entity, meaning it's, it's its own business. Everyone benefits. All of the owners pitch in. They buy in, if you will, to the league. And, and arrangements have been made. Don Garber realizes, yeah. if, if, if I need to be flexible here, we'll forget about that rule for the moment and we'll, we'll do this because it helps all of us. Having Messi in the league, whether it was Miami or Houston or whomever, helps everybody. So we'll find the loophole. And there's nothing wrong with loopholes. This is a business, Victor. Why not right. find a way to be flexible and bring in those players? The question is this. Houston, uh, you talk about spending. Is, is this the time now to think about bringing in a superstar a la Messi? Um, I think Hector Herrera is it. Was it? Does he have a long-term um, uh, uh, stay here in Houston. I think that 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 that's yet to be determined from my perspective. But 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 if every team is finding these players, the payroll's going to go up, the investment's going to go up. Um, is, is that what we should be thinking? Is this the start now of another golden era for the MLS? Well, again, the beautiful thing is that it brings up all these questions, yeah. right? Uh, you, you know, fans, uh, media. Um, it, it just, you know, makes you think, you know, does this team need this? Does, does you know, some, some teams, uh, for example, during the League's Cup, I asked uh, Nico Estevez up in Dallas, hey, does your team need a world-class player like Messi? And he said, well, look, you know, we're about the player development, right? That's the route we're taking. Um, you know, here and there, they're going to go and spend on players. But for the most part, that's their philosophy, right? So that's why, you know, different teams have different priorities, right? And, and I think that's kind of where it goes to. Um, 
you know, with Houston, right, for a long time, it, it's almost like, hey, where's a superstar player? Didn't have one. Finally brought in uh, Herrera, who obviously the big appeal uh, is the link to the Mexican national team and what he's done there. Because I think if, if you take that away, respectfully, um, you know, he's a great player, but I don't know if he, you know, he'd bring you the rest of the qualities as um, maybe a boost in tickets. Nation with Victor Araiza. I'm Alex Parra. It's great to have all of you uh, with us that are finding us on our different social uh, media, on, on our YouTube channel, etc. Questions, comments, send them our way. Most of you that follow us know how to do that, and we want you to help us to continue to build this, this segment. Uh, Victor, we talk about the Dynamo, we talk about uh, Miami and Messi. They're meeting now in the U.S. Open Cup Final. To me, one of my favorite tournaments, where even if you and I put together the Portes Nation team and we had a miracle run, we could be playing in that final against Messi. I doubt yeah. that Uncle Alex could be on one of those teams, but that is the dream, Victor, of every semi or professional team in the United States. It truly is an open cup. Right. And, you know, the biggest thing here in the United States is that it comes with a spot in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, right? Uh, which it, it, that's not the same for a lot of these domestic cups around the world, Uh Right, you have to be a first division team here. I mean, like you said, if if, if we made a team in, in a local league and we, we went all the way to the top, we'd have that birth to uh, <laughs> now the odds are low, but but the chances are there, right? The pathway is there. Um, and I think it's great to finally have uh, you know, especially this this matchup just because of um, locally what it does. Uh, it, the Dynamo now are going to have worldwide attention in a final that's going to be broadcast around the world uh you know the attention again that it brings um that's a that's a great reward for for a team that you know you, you have to give them credit in this sense um wanted to go after this competition because again despite the fact that it comes with that uh concacaf birth not a lot of teams uh prioritize and not a lot of teams really try right to, to win it um which obviously <laughs> i think it's a shame sometimes but hey where wants to win it the cup is there and Victor, let me ask you, this match coming up here this week on Wednesday in Miami, there are limited spaces when it comes to fans, but also to media. Let's explore that a little bit. Uh, should the MLS say, listen, there are sports journalists that have been consistently cover MLS, like yourself, Victor. Should we give Victor a priority versus, oh, by the way, now that we've gotten to this point, Finally, somebody from quote-unquote mainstream media is showing up. Should they have the access? These are decisions that MLS has to make, and, and they can be difficult decisions because not everyone is going to be allowed to get in. Not everyone's going to have equal access. From a media perspective, what does MLS do? Do they, do they turn their backs on who's been there for years and, and, and open it up now to, to, to the casual uh, soccer media following the, this particular match? Who... who who usually, if big media, is following a U.S. Open Cup final? Very few. It's not even on the radar. Even the teams themselves, you said this, Victor, uh, play their second or third teams at times. So, so now that it's a big deal because of Messi in part, um, does that change the, the MLS media rules? Uh, you know what I'm asking? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it depends on who's handling it first, right? Because if this is... Uh um, the final, you know, U.S. soccer may step in and say, hey, we need a certain number of, of our media in there. I think they do a good job enough to where the local teams have a say, right, uh, to be seen right here uh, as, as it comes up. But I think for the most part, we've seen um, 
you know, understanding that one, obviously some of these, some of these stadiums are smaller, right? Like, like Miami's that they, the capacity may not be there. Even if they, they raise it a little bit, it may not be there to accommodate, you know, you're talking about people all around sure. the world that want to be there for that special moment. But I, I think for the most part, there is, at least I've seen it. I think there is a bit of a balance of, you know, the international, national, you know, big media outlets. Um, and then, you know, some of the local coverage, uh, you know, however uh, big or, or small the outlet may be. But I think, the, I think, yeah, I, I've seen it. I think from the media departments that they have sort of prioritized that as long as obviously they, they can accommodate. And, and, and Victor, let's talk about that. You're scheduled to be in Miami this coming week. Um, are, are you excited if, if you are, in fact, going about coverage, about that final and the attention? And Houston, like you mentioned, great opportunity for Ben Olsen, for Hector Herrera, for, for this Dynamo team to be in the spotlight, at least for one night against the GOAT, Leo Messi. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's great, right? Uh, again, to, to be able to be in that spotlight, I think they've, they've may have missed an early opportunity, but again, all eyes of the world will be on this game. The, the booby select few that get to be there, uh, you know, and, and have that coverage. But even then I think of, you know, throughout the, some of these uh, outlets all around the world, we'll get to watch the game. We'll see the highlights, depending on what happens, uh, who scores, who wins. That'll be a big topic of discussion. So um, yeah, certainly, you know, we're, going to do our best to, to try to cover it and, and have, you know, as much as we can of, of that story. Um, again, we live in such a, such a digital world where, you know, just people inside the stadium, everybody with their phone. I mean, you get different angle of the action um, wherever you look throughout, throughout social media as well. So there's the fan element too of, of just the reactions, uh, the videos from the stands. Um, and again, I think this is an important moment in our sport here in our country where it's just kind of escalating little by little. Um, let's talk about that final uh, in the Houston Dynamo in particular, um, a team that's coming from, from not so great to much better. Right now, Ben Olsen's team, by the way, picking up a 3-0 win away versus Real Salt Lake. How do you see the team these days, uh, 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 Victor? Uh, in previous seasons, mediocre would be success. Now it's a team that currently sits in a playoff position. They've made it to U.S. Open Cup final. I think the transition uh, that Ben Olsen um, is, is a part of has been very positive. It's not the team that was here last season, certainly not the team that was here two years ago. It's a different look. It, are Pat Onstead and, and, and his staff, and in particular Ben Olsen, headed in the right direction? Um, I think so. I, I think there's, a, there's some, some positives. Um, but... And maybe here's where I get called negative at times. Um, but I, to me, I'm, I'm sort of a let's wait and see person, sure. right, throughout some of these seasons. Um, and I'll tell you why. I think objectively, you know, the MLS season is such a roller coaster. Um, Houston has been at, that, uh, at the bad end of those for a long, long time. Um, you know, some might say, a lot of fans might say it, it is a, a bit of trauma. But I just think, you know, when you look at them, it's been a great week, uh, not to take anything away from that. Um, and obviously being in the, in the final gives it a different taste. Um, but when you look at the standings, um, there's still, you know, a couple a good stretch of bad games or bad stretch of games. I guess I should put it that way. Um, could leave you out of the playoffs, um, even with a month or so still to go. Uh, nothing secured. Right. Uh, great win at, at RSL. 
um, again, I think when we do a, a deeper dive, um, you, you know, you, you look at some of the things, you know, Houston does well, some of the things maybe the other teams are going through. Uh, Portland, whenever they lost here 5 nothing. Uh, a team obviously in a bit of disarray. You think something, maybe something else is going on there with the coach uh, who got fired right after mm-hmm. that uh, that that result. Um, RSL, I think maybe aren't maybe weren't the same team. Maybe uh, need a little needed a little bit of reality check. Uh, obviously, uh, not the same from from what they used to be earlier in the season. Maybe that open cup loss also. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of factors, right? Uh, there, again, rotating the squad, you got to give the coach uh, his due as well. Um, but I, I will wait and see just because I, I still think the teams behind them uh, have plenty to work with as well. And I don't know how, you know, b- I, before the story is completely told, I think, I think they're still uh, safe for those teams. And, uh, and I don't know if Houston did enough in the offseason to completely um, retool this squad to make them – uh, you know, a a for sure playoff team, and that's that's my debate on that. Look, w- winning is not easy. Winning uh, takes time. Winning is a process, certainly for a team like the Houston Dynamo that that has right. gone through such disappointment, Victor, in in, in many years. Uh, fans, um, let's let's call it what it is. Have been frustrated. I think many are guarded. Uh, I use that word when it comes to their eventual success this season it'd be great there's an opportunity forget Messi to a certain point you can't forget him you can't dismiss him but go out and win another U.S. Open Cup that would be step number one second get into the playoffs and now we're talking Ben Olsen excuse me you're doing a great job Ben Olsen you're putting these things together maybe being under the radar in that way uh, Victor can be something of, of success so so that's what's going on with the team on the field off the field, there were, there were a lot of, uh, of questions, uh, literally, about, hey, wh- what is the end game for for relatively new, new, new owner um, that, 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 uh, of, the, of the Houston Dynamo? And, and what we saw this past week was an announcement, uh, an open house, if you will, to their new headquarters. That's, that's something that previous ownership wouldn't even talk about, uh, knew anything, to be honest with you. They were just yeah. in, in a holding pattern. So, so do we give credit? Uh, where credit is due about the investment with players like Hector Herrera, the 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 attempt, and, and, and I'll use this as relative to to have a better uh, stadium for fans. I think the eventual better to me, especially with the seed, Victor, is to find a way to to, to enclose it. But that's a huge and and and, 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 <laughs> hey, and well, big 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 undertaking. I'll tell you, if uh, if a Tef Siegel manages to pull that off, you have a lot of fans uh, here in Houston. Uh, uh, but but that's those are the things, right? I mean, um, some of the decisions of the past are, are, are the things that now Ted Siegel has to fix. Um, you know, we've seen a, a lot of uh, remodeling with the stadium, right? Different phases throughout uh, each offseason. I think that uh, from what we've heard, you know, in, in, in his comments this past uh, this past week, there's more to come on that. Um, but, um, you know, again, like the team on the field, the results are compared to to the team that's been here for the last decade and what that success has been. And like you said, when you had a previous owner who maybe put very little into the team, now you have somebody who's, who's putting a little bit more investment. I mean, it's, it's night and day. Um, but where do you, where do you judge that? Right. I mean, I think um, some, some fans might say, Hey, I don't care if the, my seats are comfortable in the stadium. I want a winning team on the field and that's all I care about. Right. Um, other people will, will say, no, it's too hot. You're not going to get people out here. 
as much. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it is investment. I, I still, again, I have a little bit of uh, the jury still out um, because I'd like to see maybe investment in other areas as well, right? The customer service, the, uh, the awareness of the team in the community, making it uh, closer uh, in those links. Um, the academy, right? Things that maybe aren't getting that same spotlight. Uh, you know, we they just had a player, uh, Juan Castilla, who was the touted as the, he was going to be a big deal. And yeah. now he, you know, basically erased from the team, gone to uh, Colombia for, for very little return. And, you know, where is the uh, that future of, of, of that pipeline of players? Um, and again, it's not all going to change overnight. And I think that's where Siegel gets the benefit of the doubt. So I think there's some good first steps. And, and I, I hope it continues on, on the right path with the right uh, with the right people around them. Victor, I think Mr. Ted Siegel is, 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 is engaged. Whether it's right or wrong is secondary to me. There, there, there is, he is demonstrating his care in, with his investment. Um, I will say this to, to not be, what's the word, cynical, but whether he wins or loses is secondary. Let me explain. What I mean by that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is that the value of his franchise continues to increase if he invests in right. infrastructure, if he invests right. in general terms. And, and that's one of the beauties of sports franchises. The MLS franchise is only going to increase in value. Messi is helping the value of the Houston Dynamo increase. Why? Because in two or three or four or five or 20 years, when Mr. Ted Siegel says, you know what, I'm done with this, he's going to double or triple his money. That's at least right. the way it looks. So, so winning helps, of course, but that bottom line, which is important as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, if that continues increasing, he's headed in the right direction. Now, you, you mentioned, Victor, wh why, are the, why are the Dynamo, why are the Dash not filling up Shell Energy? And, and, and I, I hear different thoughts from different people who are in different places. If you're new to MLS or NWSL, you're always comparing it to leagues that are outside the United States. If you're a youth uh, uh, um, uh, club, if you're a youth family, you tell yourself, well, when can I go? I have practice. Uh, it's conflicting with my schedule. It's too far away if I'm in the suburbs. And, and also, what is my relationship relative to this team? Um, the the experiment that watch that was the the, the Houston uh, the, the Dynamo Dash Youth Club no longer exists. That was a relationship that was formed from the professional team to a youth club. Many clubs, and for full disclosure, I'm I'm a director of a club. Saw that as direct competition into the youth sports. Pat Olmstead has said this, Victor. We're no longer going to be doing that. That's part of our past, not our future. So yeah. how how, how, but. Can, how yes. No, but those relationships still need to be repaired. Um, I, again, just from my point of view and from, from what I've, you know, researched and studied around the team for, for years, you know, just because it's somebody new and it's not necessarily just a clean slate, uh, just because um, all that past still exists, right? And again, it's not going to be an overnight change and, and it is going to be maybe, maybe small steps. I, I still think the club can choose what speed they move, right? Sure. Um, but I, 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 to me, that's where it is. Uh, and it's not just in the youth game. Um, you know, I think it's in the local communities. It's, it's in the city. It's being um, a member of the community. And, and not just in name only, right? Not just to, to have charitable events or, you know, appear here and there or, or hand out a few tickets. I think it's being invested 
right? Uh, you know, with time, with with the, you know separate resources other than just just monetary. Um, and again, identifying one of the U.S. Open Cup, and that's going to make them season ticket holders again. No, that's not. I think it's again a deeper dive, and and that's what it's going to take, and it's not easy work. And again, that's why I think um, it is investment of resources, of, of human resources, if we want to put it that way. Um, to steal a phrase from from Fria as the coach of the U.S. Women's Soccer Team, I heard him in a local interview say that uh, you know the human resources behind the game as well, and putting that into action. Victor, let's let's take that to the next level. If you don't have good people, it, it really it really can all fall apart on you. And, and Houston is a strange soccer community. I've been in Houston soccer since the late '80s. Yes, I'm that old, ladies and gentlemen. My my point is. I've seen franchises, I've seen soccer businesses come and go, and there's yet to be, including the MLS, including the NWSL, someone that understands, that is able to bring the soccer community together and move in one direction. And, and, and I'm, yeah. saddened. I'm saddened by that, Victor, but that's reality. I, I, every day that I, that I deal with youth soccer, everyone has their own way, their own path, their own approach, their own priorities. It, it should be that the professional franchise should be the center of it all. It should be that right. Shell Energy Stadium should be the cathedral to soccer. The reality is that it isn't. And you have to ask yourself why. First, take responsibility, like you said. I like that word, if I heard it right, for your sins. You've got to own what's happened in the past. And then tell yourself, who are the people, the individuals, that are going to help us bring our soccer community together? To this right. date, to this date, Victor, I don't believe those people, that person, is, is in place. And it's not a criticism. I want to find that person. I wonder who that is, because yet... I, I, I've yet to see who that person might be. It's just such a difficult task. Yeah, well, I, and I think, again, it, it's how fast do you want this, this operation to advance, yeah. right? Um, you know, I'm not going to ask Ted Siegel to be here every day because, you know, he's got his interest in, in New York as well. But I think, you know, who he has on the ground here matters a lot. And, uh, and look, and I'm, this is not all to say that, you know, there's the wrong people in, in, in charge at the moment because I'm sure somebody will listen to this interview from the Dynamo and say, oh, you know, they're saying that. You know, no, I, I think there's good people in that building. I think we need more people, right? I think, again, it, I think it's all hands on deck. I think it's uh, the more bodies, the better. And that's, you know, again, when you're talking about over 10 years or about 10 years of decline, I mean, think of what the uphill battle is to to put that all back, right? To to uh, to combat that, and and that's what they're working against. And um, and again, the sooner they understand the deep issues of, of why some of these things are there, I think the sooner it can uh, it can be amended. I, I will say one thing though to close out this 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 part of it: you can't please everybody. There will always be somebody that's disenchanted, that's upset, that's a naysayer, that would rather choose something else. But you've got to forget about that and still work toward your goals, set your goals, and do the best. And, and, and I'll, be, I'll be clear with you, Victor. Be, be an honest, be an honest person in your approach to the soccer community. Listen, try to bring people together. Without, That's a big part of it. Yeah, without the agenda. Uh, the, the, unfortunately, Victor, I was in a meeting recently, the beginning of the season, where, where, where local clubs were asked to come in, and, and, and there was a conversation about, look, we're moving away now from our model 
of our youth club. That's disappearing. That licensing market, marketing agreement is gone. How can we reach out to you? There was a lot of skepticism, number one. But number two, Victor, I haven't seen a follow-up, number, number one. Number two, everybody in that room had their own approach, their own, their own uh, priorities. It is so difficult to even start with someone. And then when you do make a decision, someone that maybe isn't part of the group that continues on immediately starts criticizing. So it's, it's almost a no-win situation. I think you put your nose down, you get good quality people, you make an honest effort, and you're flexible. I, I think that may be the only way to, to, to make this work long-term. Yeah, no, I, and you know, I go back to what you said, honesty. Um, especially because I'll, I'll mention that um, down here in Texas, because I know there's, you know, for a lot of people that come in, and I know we're a city of transplants, but down here in Texas, the people don't like to be taken for a ride, right? Sure. Uh, you know, you can mess up you, and that'll be forgiven. But when you intentionally say something and you don't follow up on it, those are the things that, that work against you, right? Um, and I think that, again, there's been a lot of that in the past in, in different areas. Um, again, starting with the consumer, the, the, the fan that goes out to the game with some of the season ticket holders. I'll, I'll tell you one thing real quick, just to give an example. For next year, the renewals are ongoing for, for season ticket holders. Uh, I've heard some already. They're saying, well, benefits are going away. You know, that was one of the things that was important to me, right? Uh, getting to be a little bit closer to the team or, you know, feeling a little bit uh, loved by the team, right? Uh, and, and some of those things are going away now and and maybe the ticket price is going up for what I'm getting in return. You know, these are all things that weigh in. Um, you know, my season ticket rep is no longer with the organization that switched to a new guy, or my season ticket rep changed last year and, and the, the new guy hasn't treated me the same, right? These are all things, again, the customer service part of it as well. Um, and, and I go back to that. One of the first parts, maybe, like you said, honesty. Um, people aren't expecting you to maybe give them the world. Uh, so long as you're transparent with them and, and you just uh, be upfront about what you can provide and, and work from there. Here in, uh, on Deportes Nation, talking to Victor Araiza, talking about soccer, uh, soccer in America, soccer in Texas, soccer in particular in, 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 this, uh, in this podcast, uh, soccer in Houston. And, and let's move away from the professional side, from, from the Dynamo who will be uh, playing Messi in, in, a, in, a, in a U.S. Open Cup final this coming week. T to me, this is still all positive for our sport, uh, Victor, talking about these things, that the World Cup is coming to Houston. It, I still remain optimistic that this could be a golden era for soccer. I lived the dark ages before the MLS in this city, where Pelé showed up in Houston at an HISD stadium, and maybe there were 500 people there. It, it, it's, it's amazing to even think about that. How could you not fill in a major stadium? I remember, and I wasn't here, though, when the NASL had a Houston team, the Hurricane, and they would play at, uh, at the Astrodome. Yes, that, that building that, that hasn't been torn down yet. That's for another day. And, and, and maybe there were 5,000 people in, 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 in that stadium. So, so today, this is just gravy. This is icing on the cake to some of us that have lived through the dark ages. But let's talk about um, the collegiate side. And, and in particular, uh, U, U of H sports. U of H sports moving into the Big 12. Uh, 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 U of H women's 
uh, soccer, undefeated up to this point. Point coach Jaime Frias, uh, ready for the challenge that's coming later in the season when they take on the big collegiate powerhouses a la Texas, a la Baylor, Oklahoma, UCF, and others. Uh, uh, Victor, again, women's soccer in particular, and we'll get back to the dash in a moment, uh, more attention. We're seeing better quality every day. It, it, th this may be a great moment for U of H sports, and it's starting with the women's soccer program. Yeah, and that changed to the Big 12. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the big focus locally when, when that change was made was obviously the football team. Um, you know, what it does uh, for, for, for some of the old-timers and maybe the Southwestern Conference, yeah. all that stuff. But again, a byproduct of all that is what it does for the rest of the programs in, in, in the university. Um, and certainly, you know, women's soccer is one of them that, that gets a benefit now here from a little bit better competition. Um, you, you know, it's still... It still flies under the radar, right? Uh, it's still kind of shocking to me that we don't have, um, with the resources at some of these colleges in, in this state, right, the Texas, uh, the Texas A&Ms, uh, obviously what, what TCU has been doing recently, you know, that's going to be commended. But, you know, why aren't more Texas teams fighting for a national championship, right? Why aren't they in the conversation of the Women's College Cup? Uh, hopefully this is one of those things that helps at least in Houston's case, spur them forward in that sense. And I'll, and I'll still say it too, just um, it's, it's still a little bit shocking to me as well why there's a lack of men's Division One programs in, in this state, right? I mean, not having both of them um, in, in a lot of these schools again and a lot of these communities that, that are big soccer cities. Um, but we'll celebrate the big wins like this one. They're in the Big 12, and, and at least uh, hopefully they'll have a great year. Victor, let, 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 me, let me be on the record on this one because I am a U of H alum. I am someone that played on, on those fields back when I was going to university in the 80s. It's been since then that many of us have said, why is there not a men's full-fledged Div 1 team at the University of Houston? I've discussed this with previous athletic directors. And I get the official story every time. Well, because of Title IX, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I hope I'm getting it right, uh, I've got to move this and this, and I can't possibly do that. This is an inexpensive sport. The talent is built into our city. There is zero excuse, U of H. My alma mater, my children graduated from the school, that there's no men's soccer program. It, 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 I think it is a priority for our city, for this university, to change that, to turn that around. Uh, um, yes, there's plenty of excuses. I'm going to say this, and I don't want to offend anyone. I think it's a lack of a soccer culture. Yes, how can you invest in all these buildings? How can you invest in all these facilities? How can you invest in going to the Big 12? Oh, and by the way, eh, it's going to be too expensive and difficult for me to get rid yeah. of the tennis program or the golf program right. uh, um, uh, to bring in a men's soccer program. Well, uh, nobody, nobody's saying get rid of them. Exactly. It, it, add two. In fact, right, you add two sports, right. So, so, so look, there's got to be a way. Obviously, I'm venting because this literally has been a conversation I've had for decades, and, and it still, to me, lacks the vision that's necessary. U of H soccer on the men's side could be a powerhouse victor without even going outside of the city or southeast Texas to recruit. There's that much talent. There's that much interest. There's that much potential to do it and to do it right. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and, and, and I don't want to sound too negative, that eventually 
there's an opening there, and eventually cooler, smarter uh, heads prevail. And what a recruiting tool to bring in more students. Universities are a yeah. business, ladies and gentlemen. It's about bringing in more students. How many more can come if they had a men's soccer program? So I'll stop there. I'll take my medication, Victor, I promise. But I think it's something we, we need to follow up on. Um, well, let's wrap up a little bit uh, beyond the college game uh, with the Dash. NWSL, it's a team that last year finally made playoffs last season. We were there at that match. It was beautiful to see almost a full house. How can that, how can that, how can the Dash build on that? And number one, get to the playoffs. Number one, sell at that stadium and the full stadium uh, for, for the first time in their, in their history. Is, is, is that in the cards this season for, uh, for the Dash team, Victor? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I really, I really don't know. I, I think there is a lot of uncertainty there um, because, first of all, I, I don't see them necessarily playoff bound. I know it's, you know, the NWSO now has added more playoff spots and it's kind of like the MLS where, oh, you know, everybody's mathematically alive. Um, I would like to see the best of the dash, honestly. And that's one of those things when we talk about um, Ted Siegel's investment. I'd like to see more attention there also on the dash side. And, and I know it's maybe, you know, you got to pick your battles, right? You got two teams. You got to maybe, you know, find your moments to where you prioritize one. Maybe they might say, well, the Dash made the playoffs last year and now it's a Dynamo's turn, right? And and, and that's, I, I don't know necessarily their approach. I'm just saying from what I see. Um, but when I talk about the marketing of the Dynamo, I also, I mean, it hurts me even more because I think, you know, if, if before in, here in Houston, we've complained about the lack of resources behind the Dynamo. It's even less behind the dash, sure. right? Um, and and I I've known I've seen the show commercial. Um, I'd like to see more stories about these players, right? I'd like to see them again, just like the Dynamo players, more in the community, um, making those links, people knowing who they are, people knowing they exist, right? Um, seeing the logo visible around town. Um, I think that's what it what it's going to take. Um, and again, it's not always comparing ourselves to Europe or to South America. Let's compare ourselves here to the United States. How is it that other markets have found it uh, viable to make the women's game popular? Yeah. And here we are in what is it, the fourth, maybe third largest city in the United States, and, and we can't get people out to games. I mean, I, I think there's something there that, you know, isn't quite right, you know. And I, and I know people say, well, in Portland, maybe, it's, you know, the history – we got history here in Houston. You mentioned it. I mean, you go back 20, 30 years. You go back all the way, I think, to the 60s. Uh, there's there's a lot of professional soccer uh, history here in Houston. Um, again, it, it's not to to attack. I, I think it's it's hopefully to to awaken these markets. Um, the Dash have great players. They have some, some some tremendous athletes there. Some of these ladies just came back from the Women's World Cup, um, and and I think. Uh, you know, we hear sometimes too of some of their the stories we do get to hear, right? Uh, extracurricular, you know, activities that you know, uh, um, Michelle Alozi, for example, right, uh, works in the medical center. Uh, <laughs> you know, and maybe play soccer on the side, however you want to paint it. But I mean, I think um, it, it's it's incredible. Uh, you know, maybe they're in, in the sense of where men's soccer were, was twenty years ago, right? Uh, where some of them have to have side jobs. I don't know, you know, maybe the salaries are a little bit better now, the funding. Um, but I think, again, it's it's just pushing the women's game, investing in the women's game. Um, and it's and it's also doing the, the other work too, right, uh, with that investment. 
Um, it's not so much as just throwing money at the team, but making those connections and making them a popular team. Uh, Victor, let's close with that. Let's close with the Women's World Cup, and then we'll close with, with uh, Houston 2026. But the Women's World Cup, uh, the expectation was uh, that the United States would win. The expectation was that political, that made choices that are social, Victor. And with those choices, there are consequences that people will or won't follow your product. And, and I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm not saying uh, 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 that Megan Rapino is everyone's cup of tea. She has her following, but she put herself in a situation where it was either like me or don't. You're either with me or you're against me. I, I think that that extreme approach, Victor, is, is losing the casual fan. I think that extreme approach to you either do it my way or, or, or don't do it at all or you're not supporting me, th that's got no place. In, in the growth of the sport. So I think that's a mistake. I'm, I'm curious to see if U.S. soccer will wake up and say, you know what, we're still a sport that needs fans, especially the casual fan. What are we going to do to endear ourselves to that fan, Victor? Not alienate them, which apparently happened. You saw the social media uh, past the team, the U.S. women's national team being uh, uh, um, losing and being out of the World Cup. It was brutal. I don't think I've seen such criticism. And, and even, even so-called um, mainstream media really beating up U.S. women's national team. And I think by association, beating up soccer, which is the worst part of this. Yeah, and, and again, I, I think a lot of things play into it. I think like like we've talked about earlier here, uh, a deeper dive into, or at least a deeper dive coming, uh, you know, from the, the soccer journalist, right? What is the coverage of the game? Um, you know, yeah, th this team was a little bit more polarizing than the previous, uh, but it's also a team that uh, maybe from a, from a sporting approach, uh, you know, thought that, like you said, they were just going to walk in and win because they were the U.S. And, um you know the rest of the world play soccer too, right? <laughs> and it and I think uh, and and for years now they've been making strides, and and now we've hit the point where they all finally caught up. Um, that's a big part of the story as well. Um, you know, does the U.S. have enough talent? I think it does. Um, but like the men's team, right? That maybe maybe like you you know it, it, the veteran figures hadn't moved on, right? You needed that that influx of youth. This women's team didn't have that in this tournament either. Um, maybe if you had that, you you could have gone all the way and won it, and and maybe you would have, you know, you could have had both of those things. Um, I, I kind of, you know, if you want to compare it to something American sports, right? The Kaepernick in the NFL. I think uh, it all goes to what can players provide on the field. Uh, can they provide results? Because it starts with that, and then you know the activism. Um, is a side product of that that they can they can use if if they choose to. Everybody has their own their own platform. I know we, we live in, in in that part of it nowadays, but but first comes the product on the field. It should, and the U.S. simply didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 well, you're right. It should. It should. Because if we talk sporting wise, Rapino probably shouldn't have gone to the World Cup, not based on what she was doing in the NWSL. And, and look, that's an easy one. I think we could all see the level, the level drop, and, and, and of course, missing a penalty kick. It, it, it makes it difficult. Yeah. Look, I'm not trying to bash on her. But Alex, Alex Morgan as well. Like I said, if we're paying attention to yeah. the local league. Yeah. We've seen, you know, the 
just in the local league itself, uh, how these players have taken a step back. And it's not the same as just expecting them to go out there and win your game in the Women's World Cup. Well, I think it comes back to the focus. Is the focus on off the field? Is the focus on, 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 uh, on, on sponsorships? Is the focus on my social and, and political issues? I think the priority should be what you do on the field first and foremost. Everything else can fall into place. Yes, the attention's important. And by the way, whatever your cost should be, sports have changed, Victor. But I think we should be yeah. open. We should be open to anyone's po political and social causes. If, if, if someone's going to talk about X, then let someone talk about Y. And let's do it respectfully. And let's do it in, in, in an environment where, you know what, we can agree to disagree. I think that's the extremism that I'm talking about. I'm not even judging the values or merits of any position, of any social stance. It's the way it's being perceived because you've put yourself in that situation. Again, if you're not with yeah. me, you're against me. To me, that's extreme. Right. There's nothing wrong with taking a position. There's nothing wrong in believing something. All of us have to stand for things. And at times, it's, it's, it's look, this is the line I've drawn. But when you get to that point and someone else drew another line, what are you going to do? So back to U.S. soccer, I think they, the leadership, which continues to change, by the way, and I've always talked about this, Victor, what is one of the most corrupt organizations in the planet? It's FIFA. FIFA is the entity that controls U.S. soccer, and U.S. soccer is the entity that we all look up to to guide us in the sport. Something's wrong with that. I don't quite know how to figure that one out, but from the youth to the professional, if the U.S. Soccer Federation is the entity that's guiding us and it's under FIFA, think about that connection. And, and it makes you yeah. really wonder, uh, how did we well, get into this? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of money to be made uh, in soccer and, and in sports altogether. Like yeah. you said, uh, sports, uh, if you look at the NFL, the other leagues, the NBA, I mean, they've, they've all changed a lot, uh, you know, in, in, their own, in their own ways. Yeah. A lot of it has been uh, the commercial aspect of it. Um, you know, some of it is rightfully so, uh, athletes asking for more share of the cut, right? I mean, just like we've seen it in, in the music industry and in other industries as well. I mean, they're the ones providing the product. I, like I said, um, well, like you said, <laughs> said, you know, yeah, let, we can always have that argument if there's X, but let's also talk about why. Um, but I, I think that's, you know, again, maybe that's our, that's our position also as uh, as media uh, to not get caught up in that, like you said, to not make it a a a versus b, right? To be the maybe the center of the line, um, the objectivity, the you know what sort of you know brings it back a little bit to reality, and or you know when truth has to be spoken uh, to be said, and and when there's you know whether it's good or bad, right? I mean, give credit where credit is due, and also. Um, you know, point out when, when things aren't going the right way. Um, so I think as long as we have that balance, um, that that's part of uh, what, where media is, uh, you know, maybe unofficially, but that, I, I always like that, that description, the fourth estate. And, and Victor, to me, there's a difference between uh, being the media and being a journalist. I think there's a big distinction. Anyone with a camera, with a microphone, with a podcast can say, look, I'm, I'm in the media expressing my opinion, expressing my perspective. But I think a true journalist looks at multiple sides to an issue, 
asks questions, doesn't take the, uh, a, a response at face value, but, but does the work of confirming what has been said, what has been told, what, what things are there. That, that quote-unquote truth is so important to our society. And you're right, it, we cannot lose that journalistic instinct. And I know every media outlet, now I changed the word on purpose, is there also as a business. It, it, it has to work that way because people need to be paid, people have bills, and that's part of this. So the sponsorship side is really important. But, but let's close, Victor, on, on a positive note, I think. The optimism going into the 2026 World Cup, and in particular that Houston will be a host city. That still, to me, again, is a dream come true. I remember 1994, I remember going up to the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. I don't remember anything but being on a cloud that I was watching the World Cup in Texas, that I was watching the World Cup in the United States. It, it really, to me, is still a, a milestone in soccer in our country. Isn't it exciting to think about what's coming in 2026, and in particular to our to our city of Houston? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you said, maybe the uh, again, you know, this is there's a lot of commercial reasons for this coming to the United States, but uh, you know, the beauty of the game, and maybe. And maybe that's what we're always, you know, sort of fighting for, right? Is is uh, the purity of the game, is is simply what it is, right? The world competition, the tradition that that it has had uh, over many of our lives, um, what it means for the next generation coming forward, having these games here, being able to live these games, being a part of this celebration of the sport. Um, putting our own part into it, every city, every community. Um, you know, especially in these three host countries and, and maybe potentially with the women's game as well. I mean, that's, that's being talked about potentially coming in 2027. Um, you know, it's going to be a pinnacle moment. I think another one, right. That where this, this sport just keeps advancing in, in this country. Uh, and I'm like you, I'm excited for it and I'm excited for what it means. It's, it's, it's a lot that's coming in a very positive way. Uh, Victor, as we close up, look, it's always an honor to be with you. You're joining the, the Deportes Nation team. We'll be talking not only about soccer in English and Spanish. We'll be covering other sports. So, so it's really, truly an honor to be, to be with you. We're doing this kind of soft launch. So if some of you have sat through our entire podcast, you're getting privy to some news that'll be, that'll be announced here shortly. Uh, but Victor, it's always an honor to be with you. I think we need more soccer coverage. Uh, and we we, we want also you fans to be a part of this conversation. We'll find a way to integrate you in the future. And, 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 and Victor, people can find us on, on, on social media, um, whether it's Twitter, Twitter, now X, by the way. I, I think I, I'm so used to Twitter. I don't know how I'm going to call this X thing. Um, right? <laughs> I think people die still call it Twitter. Uh, but yeah, it, it's growing by the day because uh, now there's threads, which is the, yep. uh, the meta, the Instagram, Facebook uh, one. Um, obviously, TikTok has been added into all this stuff, so it's, that, it's ever-growing. Does that mean we have to dance then? We have to do a dance to get some attention, Victor? Uh, we might have to uh, <laughs> adapt with the time. <laughs> well, whatever it takes. Victor, but, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. let you have the last word before we close. Um, the beginning of a new chapter. I enjoyed the, this chat. And, and again, people can find us. People can, can, uh, can chime in. And, uh, and, and also be part of the conversation. But final word here as we close out the segment. Yeah, uh, the invitation's out. Uh, you know, we're extending the, the olive branch, if you will, um, to follow our coverage, to, to, you know, again, feedback's always welcome. And, 
and then hopefully we can bring you the best part of uh, you know some of the local sports and, and some of your favorite sports. Absolutely. On behalf of Victor Araiza, I'm Alex Parra. We thank all of you that have sat through this, our first English language soccer segment, soccer podcast. Help us, by the way, find a good name for this. I have a couple of ideas, Victor. I'm sure you do too, but eventually we'll be naming this. But we appreciate all of you watching. Thanks to our, our, our production team and, and mostly, ladies and gentlemen, thanks to all of you that have taken the time to follow us, to, to find us here on the Portis Nation. <laughs>